Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 51 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I'm really excited to be joined today by artist and writer Yehudi Mercado. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you for joining me. This, I guess we're afternoon at this point. Usually we record a little bit earlier, so it's kind of nice to have uh, have an afternoon recording. It all feels like morning to me. All the time. <laughs> um, before we get too far in, I want uh, my listeners to get to know you, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm a writer, illustrator, uh, live in Los Angeles. I grew up in Houston, lived in Austin, Texas for a long time, uh, worked in animation and video games. Recently, I was an art director at Disney Interactive. Uh, yeah, so that's a little bit about Yeah. Do you have a, you, you seem to, to wear a lot of hats. Has there been yeah. one that's stood out to be uh, some of your favorite? I definitely love writing. That's one of my favorite things to do. And then... Uh, since I can also draw, it's been like an added bonus of being able to uh, bring my visions to life. So. Yeah, I bet. I bet that's that's really it. It works out as a nice uh, a nice talent combination. Yeah. <laughs> um, what areas uh, do you find yourself kind of being very proficient in when it comes to geekiness? Uh, definitely Star Wars. That's probably number one. Star Wars is like a religion in our family. <laughs> um, yeah, Star I love Star Wars. And what else? Not that I love the Star Trek movies. I've never actually seen any of the TV shows. I think the only episode of Star Trek I've seen is the the Enterprise, the Scott Bakula one. Right, which which a lot yeah. of people are like, don't judge it by that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, definitely, yeah. Very cool. Is Now, are there areas of uh, your geekitude where you feel it's not, not your thing, but a lot of po- other people do? Well, one thing that's not my thing, but I want to get into, is Dungeons & Dragons. Like, I've never played a game of Dungeons & Dragons. I've always wanted to. I hear you on that. I've, I've yeah. played a couple, but it, not anywhere to the, the extent that I would like to. It's so hard to coordinate and find people right. to do it with. Yeah, and I tell people all the time, like, hey, invite me, let me know. But like, it feels like they've already had this epic quest game going on for years, and it's, like, it's hard to jump in on people's games. But um, yeah, and then the stuff I'm not that into is Doctor Who I can't really get into. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I tried that, you know, when the, the new stuff started. I watched that whole first season, but then, I don't know, by the time that second one came on, it just felt like it just felt like every problem was either solved by plugging something into the TARDIS or that screwdriver. Like, Yeah. It just seems like oh, every episode is going to end with them doing something with those two things. I just felt like, eh, this feels kind of formulaic. Why don't I just start with 
plugging it into the targets, and then you can solve your problem immediately. Yeah, I, I hear you about that. I, I've tried multiple times on many friends' request to uh, try and get into it, and I may make one more push, but uh, at this point I think it's just kind of one of those things that I'm going to have to accept is not my thing. And yeah, I yeah. think that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, you had mentioned uh, Star Wars as being a religion in your family. Is that Would you mm-hmm. say that's your favorite fandom? Oh, definitely, yeah. Um yeah, ever since, yeah, because I was three years old when the first one came out. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember seeing it in the theater because we were driving from New Jersey to Houston. We were moving from New Jersey to Houston. And I remember, like, long car trip. My dad had already moved first, and he was already, like, sitting with the house and everything. As soon as we pulled up to the driveway, he's like, all right, unpack quickly. we got to go to the movie theater. So, like, the first thing we did when we moved to Houston was we saw Star Wars. It was just mind-blowing. And uh, we probably saw it, like, I'm guessing we saw it probably over 20 times in the theater. Wow. Yeah, that summer. And I remember my dad recorded the audio on a cassette tape. And we would listen to the whole movie, like, every single day. Like, first half on the way to school, second half on the way home. So like the, the just the soundtrack for that first you know, episode four is just burned into my brain. That's why I can't really watch the uh, special edition edits because like it just feels off. Yeah, I you know, just like uh, it's like when I when I hear a new line or like a new scene is inserted, it's like oh no, that feels wrong. It's like someone messing with like a Beatles song. Ooh. Yeah, I think I played that the VHS tape in the background when I was growing up so often that uh, I'm, I'm a little bit the same way where you hear something and you're just like, that's just not, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> that's off and it's wrong. It's going to pull my attention every time. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. That's yeah. Not, that's not right. Yeah. But yeah, definitely into Star Wars and then a bunch of cartoons also. Uh, what also are some my... of your favorites? Uh, definitely the Batman and the animated series. Probably the best. I always say Bruce, Tim, and uh, Paul Dini, they basically, they won animation. Yeah. It's all been (laughs) downhill since then. It's true, it's true. In fact, there was, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the um, uh, Honest Trailers take on the 90s X-Men cartoon. Oh, yeah. And they they mention in that, they say, you know, it's probably the second best cartoon ever. And Mm -hmm. I said, and when you come in after Batman, that, you know, that's not doing so bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also that Superman one they did was really good. Like, the first season of that was great. Yeah, yeah. And I always think that that's the way to do, like, if, you know, cause we can talk about the terrible Superman movies now, but I think that's what you need to do with Superman, is almost set him in a retro-futuristic time. Like, you can't you spend so much time trying to make it real and mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ah, like a guy with glasses pretending not to be Superman. Doesn't really work. I mean, it does well in Supergirl. Like, that seems to work. Yeah, see, I haven't, sure. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched that episode yet. I was just going to ask you, how, how did you find the, the first episode? Did the Superman read for you? Yeah, yeah, it was actually really good. Yeah. He's a little shorter than I would think. But, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, Supergirl, the, the show was, was pretty great. Yeah, we're gonna be trying to catch up on that I think this weekend, so that'll be that'll be a fun treat. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, now, is there anything that uh, you just absolutely love, but you know is not on a lot of people's radar, and you you just have to recommend to people when when you know that it's something that they like? Um, hmm, that is a good question. I would selfishly say like my my stuff. <laughs> like my, like Rocket Salvage is a mini series I did for Boom Arkea, and I'm really proud of it. And mm-hmm. I felt like it didn't get its like a, didn't get its just due in the in the marketplace. So I'd definitely tell people to check out Rocket Salvage. Definitely, and, and we're yeah. going to be talking about Hero Hotel in a little bit here. But on that note, other than Hero Hotel, is there anything that you've got in the works right now? 
Uh, Hero Hotel is sort of is kicked off to the printer and getting ready, and then now I'm working on a book for Oni. And that one's called Saifu. It's my sci-fi kung fu all-ages book. Sounds phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one has been cooking for a long time. This one is like the one I've been waiting to do for forever. I've, I've tried different stabs at it, like even like... Ten years ago, I just tried it as a webcomic, but oh, I didn't get the style right. Like it was just taking way too long per page, and I was like, "Oh, Jesus, takes this long." Because I, you know, I do animation. Mm-hmm. So like when I first, you know, I did animation before comics. So when I first started to do comics, I really tried to make it, uh, you know, every every you know every pose on model, like you know, in animation. You know, Everything has to be on model, or else like, when you do a turn, you'll notice like, oh, that nose is weird. Like, you know, right, right, right. You'll notice the pop. So like, I, I really was like overly strict about the, the the character design and the poses, and so it just took longer than than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like, you know. Like, even like looking at like Scott Pilgrim, and I noticed like, oh, you know, they're a little, little bit looser with the proportions from you know chapter to chapter. You don't you don't have to be so like tight with the character design. So that like really helped me like, oh, loosen up my style a little bit. And I work all digital, so you know, I never really used to like to use like the brush tool. Mm-hmm. I always because I do everything in in Flash, you know, Adobe Flash. Right. So I use the, you know, in animation, you need to use the line tool so it's like you're consistent. But it wasn't until I started like to be proficient with the brush tool where I was able to like speed up my process and uh, get things done quickly. So, it's, gotta, it's gotta be interesting to. I, it seems like that's one of those industries that's just so the technology for it is changing so quickly that yeah. it's gotta be quite the learning curve to kind of keep up with it. Yeah, yeah, like, I haven't even dived into, uh, like, all the Toon Boom stuff. There's, like, a suite called Toon Boom Harmony, where it's, like, basically, it's, like, Flash and After Effects all rolled into one. Well, thank you for for sharing a little bit about yourself with us. Um, Yeah. We're going to really quickly talk about some of the things we did to keep it geeky this week. Um, (laughs) I have been editing and editing and (laughs) editing. Um, This is episode 51. Uh, I just finished uh, 50, well, you know, hitting my 50th episode last week, and yes. I don't know why I decided to um, hit episode 50, do a special bonus episode, and launch a second podcast all the <laughs> same week. So it's like every spare moment I've had has been editing. But uh, right. the, the the good thing is is that my my new podcast, State of the Geek, is now up. Uh, episodes zero and one are, oh, cool. are available on iTunes. Yeah, it's a uh, a little bit more of a political uh, kind oh, of nice. yeah. If we're we're talking about different problems in geek culture and uh, and ways to fix them. And so uh, in episode zero, just to to give you an idea of who who we are, uh, my co-host uh, Kelly Hightower and I are talking about the first presidential debates just because you know that's, nice. that's a good way to kind of <laughs> give you an example of who we are and <laughs> how we think yeah um, yeah awesome. and, and then yeah i've been you, obsessed with this this election it's crazy it's, it's, it's insane. insane right i mean it's beyond politics at this point yeah i i went down a, a facebook rabbit hole i think on thursday and it kind of just <laughs> wrecked me i was just yeah. like, so upset by the end yeah. of the evening i'm like i have to step away i can't keep <laughs> doing this to myself yeah because i mean you know growing growing up in houston like I, I see some of my friends from high school like and stuff they're posting and it's like dude we went to the same school we had the same education why are you thinking like this it's insane. Because, like, yeah. I mean, like, way back in the 80s, you know, our textbooks specifically had chapters about greenhouse gas effect. Like, this isn't some new thing that's been trumped up. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I just I just don't get it. I just yeah. don't get it. I'm, 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 I feel myself getting worked up just thinking <laughs> about it. 
But um, and then then we recorded a, our first episode with a friend of mine, Ray Vargas, and so the three of us talked about just kind of where geek culture is at this point and some of the the problems that we're seeing and and what yeah, the causes some, would be. Yeah, there's some toxic fanboyism. Yeah, and it, it just doesn't make sense. It's kind of like we we all love. It, we we may love different things, but we all love them just as passionately. So it's kind of like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what the whole like the the, the Ghostbusters reboot. Well, I didn't understand the, the anger. It's like you, you people love Ghostbusters so much. You're getting a new Ghostbusters. What does it matter that they're female? Yeah, I just I think. I think what we decided is that the change is a very scary thing for people, and especially people who have been marginalized as uh, as geeks have been, you know, in in their pasts. So, you know, a lot of childhood yeah. memories and childhood trauma, you know, kind of surround being a geek when you're growing up, and yeah. uh, not so much anymore. Which is why I think so many people are are fighting back against any little changes they see because it's kind of like taking over their their childhood and the, their refuge from bullies and, and things like that. So yeah. I guess when you have deep seated uh, feelings towards those kind of things, yeah. uh, you know, somebody comes in and tampers with them, you're, you're going to get it mouthy. Yeah, I guess, I mean, because that almost happened because I used to, I watched the daily show from like episode one where it was like, what was his name? Craig. Was it Kilborn? I, I want to say it was, but yeah, I, yeah. Craig yeah. Kilborn. So I remember, like, then about 2004, like, it was, like, PhD friends of mine in, like, in Austin were like, oh, have you heard of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart? I was like, oh, come on, I've been watching since the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. You can't introduce that to me, getting all riled up about that. So I guess, yeah, it is kind of that feeling. Like, I've been championing this thing for a long time, and now newcomers, quote-unquote, are trying to take it. Maybe that's the feeling. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's positive <laughs> ways to deal with that. I'm sure you I know, yeah, start exactly. screaming at your friend. <laughs> yeah, so we're, t- you know, that's that's the new the new podcast. So that's great. Right. Yeah, we're excited yeah. about it. Yeah, tune into that for sure. Yeah, so uh, hopefully, hopefully listeners from both our, our shows will kind of meet there and get together. We also have, we're, we're not quite done with Luke Cage. We're maybe on episode 10 or so. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm only two in, and I I wanted to save it till after I finished Hero Hotel, so that I could like focus on it. And how's it? Uh, you know, how how are you liking it so far? Oh, it's the best. It's the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. It's God, that guy is so great. What's the actor? Michael. Something? Uh, I don't remember yeah. his name off the top of my head, but he's doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, like, was he just created in a lab for that show? Or? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, where did he come from? Yeah, I don't know where where he's been up until now. I don't know what his yeah. his credits include, but but he's from the entire cast is just on point. Yeah, yeah. And I I love I've loved all the Marvel Netflix stuff. Do you have a favorite thus far? I think Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones, like, I think if it was, like, maybe three episodes shorter, a little tighter, mm-hmm. it would have been, like, perfection. But I just love that dynamic of that kind of new villain where he's not trying to take over the world, he's not trying to create a portal in the sky, but it's very personal villain. Yeah. I thought that was oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, and I think the one of the great things, I, I agree with you on the pacing, um, I feel like there were a couple of extra filler episodes in there. Um, I haven't seen that in Luke Cage yet. Like awesome. the, every episode feels like it's critical and it gives you um, important parts of the story. It doesn't drag it at all. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, and I'm I'm really looking forward to Iron Fist too. I think that's going to be. Yeah, that should be interesting. Yeah, I I can't wait to to see it all kind of come together. I, I'm I'm really excited about the stuff they're doing. And we'll. Luke Cage be more prominent in Iron Fist also, or I don't know. I would kind of yeah. hope so because yeah, I've been their waiting... dynamic is the one that works the best. Yeah, that's what I've been looking forward to the most in in all of this because I've never been a huge Daredevil fan, but there was a, a short time when when Heroes for Hire was out that I was a big uh, Iron Fist Luke Cage fan, and yeah. it it really is the playoff of the two of those yeah. characters. Yeah. 
Yeah, my only concern with the casting is that guy doesn't seem funny. Yeah. You know, but maybe I don't know. Maybe he can be. Why well, the 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 one playing Iron Fist? Yeah. Doesn't he tend to play the the straight man in all of it? Does he? Yeah, well, I always I, guess, I always think of it's kind yeah. of more of him reacting to Luke Cage than than him necessarily cracking jokes. I mean, they'll they'll banter yeah. back and forth, but yeah. at the end of the day, I always think of Luke Cage being the one that's kind of cutting up, and, yeah. and Iron Fist being the one that reacts to it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that that casting was a little weird, but I'll give him a chance. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm interested to see what he does with the part. Yeah. And then the last thing that we did is last night, um, I had mentioned before we, we started that I was in L.A., there's a, a place out there that has kind of a stage show and dinner theater, and we, we tend to go there a couple times a year with a big group of friends, and what they do is they do unauthorized parodies of different shows and completely, um, just kind of completely make fun of them and and, and use kind of modern pop songs that everybody knows, um, to make it a musical. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so last night's was Hocus Pocus. And it oh, was, yeah? Where yeah. was that? Um, I want to say it's Rockwell? Yeah, Rockwell Table and Stage. And it is... Oh, that's awesome. No, it, it really is. It really is. The, we saw a couple months ago, we saw them do The Devil Wears Prada. And <laughs> it's just a, a lot of fun. It's in L.A. And, uh, you know, they made fun of uh, the the... You know, it was obviously just local local performers doing the the characters, but you know they played it up as if it was Bette Midler and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and right. Kathy Jimmy, and so they would you know there were all these like Sex in the City callbacks and just snarky just snarkiness, and yeah. it was a lot of fun. So I highly encourage people to check that that out if you're in the LA area because it is phenomenal. Nice. How about you? How'd you keep it geek this week? I kept it geek by drawing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like head down, drawing all week. Yeah. Uh, not too exciting, but... <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you're you're producing some cool stuff, so I, I think Thanks. it's definitely... If it's not exciting yeah, yeah. for you, it's exciting <laughs> for your fans. Yeah, I would say it's like, like making a whole graphic novel is like climbing a mountain. And, uh, yeah, the Hero Hotel, I just finished climbing that mountain, and now I'm, like, just started on page one last night of the new mountain, so, yeah. That's cool. It sounds like it, it it's a never-ending journey, but it, yeah. it sounds like, uh, it, you know, the, the peaks and valleys are there, but at the end of the day, it's a pretty pretty nice accomplish, accomplishment once you're done. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has a nice payoff. And that's what's nice about, like, just getting your stuff in print, like you can finally like hold it and like flip through it and feel like, yeah, this is a nice reward. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, before we move on to some news, uh, just wanted to say I, I have mentioned it before, but we finally recorded um, uh, our special Geektitude episode. I wanted to release it this past week, but unfortunately, I just. Just couldn't get it edited and out in time with uh, State of the Geek launching, but we will be launching this week, probably on Thursday. I'll be putting out our first We Make the Movie, and uh, this is about Gambit. Every uh, time I have a friend on to talk about the, the different movies that come out, uh, we mention how the, the Gambit movie does not seem like it is on the right trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just yeah. decided, uh, Kelly Hightower, Ray Vargas, and I decided before we uh, recorded State of the Geek, we're like, let's sit down and, and come up with our own Gambit movie. So we're, we're excited to share that with you. It'll, oh, nice. Yeah, it'll be out on Thursday this week. So keep yeah. your eye out for that. And then Palm Springs Comic Con, I'm going to keep mentioning it. It's uh, November 19th and 20th at the Hard Rock Hotel in Palm Springs, California. If you are in the area, please make sure to stop by, say hi, find us on social media, and let us know um, where you're at so we can visit and chat and looking forward to seeing a bunch of you out there. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. All right, let's move on to some news. Um, lots of movie stuff coming out, uh, and all of it seems kind of fun. Uh, they announced that, uh, well, James Gunn, who is the writer and director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, 
has talked about how not only does uh, the next Guardians of the Galaxy meet the, the Bechdel test, but, mm-hmm. but they exceed it. And uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, it, it, you have three different criteria you have to meet to pass this kind of just theoretical test. Uh, you have to have at least two women in it that are preferably named characters. Um, they each and last have... name, right? Does Nebula have a last name? Um, I don't know that they have to have last names okay. because I don't know, like, Gamora, does, even, yeah. does, does she have a last name? Gamora <laughs> Smith? <laughs> Um, the, the two characters have to talk to each other. So, and then the third is they have to talk about something other than a man. And apparently this, uh, with the, has three characters. We're going to see Gamora, Nebula's coming back and they're introducing Mantis, which I do have to say is a character I never thought we would ever see in a movie ever. Yeah. Well, Bug was supposed to be in the, uh, in the first one. Mm-hmm. But then there was some deal where he's still owned by Micronauts. Yeah, yeah, Micronauts is there's there's some definitely weird back and forth with some of those properties that that Marvel did for was it Mattel? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So are you are you looking forward to this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The first Guardians uh, is the best. Uh, I got to because I worked on the uh, mobile game, Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy mobile game. And I actually got to co-write it with Dan Abnett. And I did all the art direction for it. So it's definitely a career high. I bet. I bet. Yeah. We got to read the script early. Like, we never got to see like an early cut or anything, but we got to read the script early. I kept telling people, like, oh, this is going to be the most accessible comic book movie. Because like, no one has any preconceived notions of what a Star Wars should be, or, you know. Right. So everything's going in fresh. And then it had all the music and the pop culture references. But they they were really, really smart. Yeah. It, it, who would have thought, you know, 10 yeah. years ago, who would have thought that we'd be like, oh, my God, a second Guardians of the Galaxy movie's coming out and, yeah. and be this excited about something like yeah. that. And they moved it up in the timeline, right? Uh, yeah. It, it's, uh, it's coming out next yeah. year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's I just I don't know. I'm, I, I'm just... I, I'm just loving everything that's Marvel. Marvel's doing right now. Yeah, I'm the the only one. Doctor Strange is the only one. I'm like, eh, yeah, well, were you ever a, a Doctor Strange fan? Yeah, I think it works better in print, though. I don't know. It, it just looks like uh, what was the DiCaprio? Um, the um, Inception. It looks yes, like yes. Batman Begins and Inception. Now, I think if you were a fan of Doctor Strange, that may be why you're feeling it, because I feel like a lot of us are coming from the same position as we came to Guardians of the Galaxy, where we're just not as familiar with the character. Yeah. And I think that might be where a lot of of the hype on our side is going. But if you're a fan, I can definitely see where you'd be concerned, because, you know, we're we're always concerned when somebody's doing stuff with with properties we like. Yeah. I just, I know he looks the part, but he doesn't sound the part. Yeah. Yeah, Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah, Guardians. Man, Kurt Russell in a space movie again. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of fun to see him in, in an action show again. I mean, yeah. I, I always I, I still feel like um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China is my definitive Kurt Russell. Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. Amazing. Um, we also got some uh, Wolverine news. The uh, the new Wolverine movie, which oh, yeah, is the R-rated Wolverine. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm okay. Title, the <laughs> I'm I'm okay with this one being R-rated. I think of all the 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 properties that if they were going to make something R-rated after Deadpool, you know, I can see. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I don't necessarily know that it's it's that necessary. <laughs> Uh, did you see, was the extended cut of, what was the other Wolverine one where he goes to Japan? Um, was it that, that's just the Wolverine, right? I think it's just the Wolverine, yeah. Yeah. Was the extended cut rated? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Because I didn't think that was bad. No, no, it was good, and I don't I don't often like 
Wolverine side stories, um, especially when he does a lot of the samurai type right. stuff. So I, I think I went into that going, well, I'm going to see it because it's a Wolverine movie, but you know, I, it's never been a storyline that I've been particularly interested in. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they did a really good job of kind of making it very accessible to those of us who weren't necessarily big yeah. fans of that that style. Yeah, yeah. So that one definitely did not pass the Bechdel test. No, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like movies like that. It's like just take just take another pass at the script with a female lens. Like just give it a little try. And I don't understand why we we can't start doing that a little bit more often. I mean, maybe it will happen. Maybe it will yeah. be um, a little bit more uh, common as we see characters like Black Widow and Gamora mm-hmm. get you know this claim. And uh, yeah, speaking of Black Widow, like the like the flack they caught after Age of Ultron, like they could like had there been a standalone Black Widow movie right before Age of Ultron, I don't think they would have caught as much flack. No, not at all. And that's that they should learn that lesson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I really am looking forward to seeing a lot more uh female superhero driven movies. I can't wait to see Captain Marvel. I I'm Oh yeah. Man. Really that's looking a forward perfect to perfect casting. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um and uh, so the the big news for Wolverine was that they're um, definitely going to have X twenty three in it. Very cool. Which I don't think any of us are surprised by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they've also announced that Donald Pierce is going to be uh, one of the villains, but then there's another villain who is uh, research scientist Doctor Xander Rice, which is going to be a character from the comics who tries to recreate the Weapon X project. Oh, okay. So it'll be interesting. It'll be uh. I do. I think they're running. They're running out of big named uh, yeah. <laughs> X Men villains. Well, that was what was so weird. Even with the whole X twenty three and Weapon X, and that all the X Men movies seemed like they were focused on Wolverine and Weapon X. And, you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it seemed so weird when they did an X Men Origins. It's like, well, all the X Men movies have been Wolverine movies, basically. So this, uh, I hope they're, I don't know, expanding, going into new territory. Well, I think I think that my guess is this is going to be a way to introduce X twenty three as the new Wolverine, so that we can, uh, you know, so that. Uh, you let Hugh Jackman take her, take him out. Exactly, so he can retire from from the <laughs> character, which he said, you know, this is supposed to be his last, you know, his last trip, so. So I think they, they're like, okay, well, we need to get Wolverine in there, so we'll do what we did in the comics, and we'll f- make it X-23. Yeah. yeah. But then do you think we'll do an Old Man Logan movie? Well, I, my, my understanding is this is kind of supposed to be Old Man Logan in concept, but yeah. I, I've never read the actual um, that actual comic, but my understanding is it's very dark and not at all something you can do in the regular continuity. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I still think someone needs to edit together, take all the X-Men movies made, and edit together just the Magneto movie. <laughs> I think it would be great. They should. That would be a really interesting take on the, the yeah. thing. Like, his scenes in Apocalypse were the best part. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, I, we often say on this show that uh, the best thing about the Apocalypse, uh, X-Men Apocalypse, was that it wasn't uh, Batman versus Superman. <laughs> I think that movie would have gotten panned a lot harder when it came out, if it wasn't on the heels of right. Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, everyone was so exhausted after punching Batman vs. Superman. Exactly. They're just like, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's good it's good, good enough. We, there, was a, there was a basic storyline with yeah. it. <laughs> the brightness was turned out, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, who, who can complain about, uh, you know, the Apocalypse Makeover King? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, Batman vs Superman. Uh, <laughs> like I don't even like the whole Martha thing. Like that actually would have worked in like a Tim Burton kind of movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that didn't bother me that much. Like it's the stuff like, like you set it up in the first scene where Lois Lane is in Africa and she's about to get shot and Superman can block the bullet. He can travel halfway around the world in a second to block the bullet, mm-hmm. right? But 
his own mother is in a drafty warehouse tied up and he can't find her and he has to beat up Batman it just didn't make any sense it's like you're Superman we already established that you can find Lois Lane halfway around the world but your own mother you can't find her yeah a block away so many problems with that movie. Yeah. So many problems with that movie. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's Wolverine. That's mm-hmm. that's going to be a, a hopefully a fun romp. I, I, with how they did the Wolverine, I'm I'm kind of hopeful that this will get as good of a, a treatment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now this one, I'm curious to know what you have. You seen the Power Rangers trailer? Yeah. Yeah. Are you? Well, first of all, did you watch Power Rangers when you were growing up? No, I had no attachment to it at all. It always looked hokey. It always looked dumb to me. But that one just totally missed me. So any thoughts on the new one then? <laughs> that one, like, talk about needing to turn the brightness up. Like, what was the deal? Like, everything, I made a joke that it looked like a shadow puppet theater. And yeah. It's so dark, and everything was in silhouette. It was like, come on, people. Like, I know you're trying to make the pop colors of the old show muted but come on a little color would be nice yeah i i don't disagree there uh i've heard a lot of people say that it's trying to take itself too seriously and it's not yeah it looks like a spoof of something trying to take it seriously like you know like the funnier die would do like oh here's the dora of the explorer movie make it look gritty mm-hmm. but that's what it looks like it looks like a funnier die spoof of the power rangers movie I can see that. I can see that. I'm always, I'm always interested to see when, when they do new takes on something, um, mm-hmm. you know how it goes. Especially, I mean, I, I watched a little bit of Power Rangers when I was growing up, but I was just, just at the age of aging out of it, so it wasn't so much a big thing for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm more curious to just kind of see what their, what their take on it is. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited, but I can definitely understand where people are like, no, it's too dark. It's you know, it's not campy enough. It's it's gonna be you know, it's taking itself so seriously that it's not gonna it's not gonna be able to pull off what it needs to pull off. Yeah, like it almost like I didn't love the Speed Racer movie, mm-hmm. but why not take that approach? Like, why not try something like that? Yeah, that would be definitely a different. Uh, that would fit the property better. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'm I'm curious to see where it goes from here and when we start getting additional trailers if it you know makes us feel any better about the property as a whole yeah but man those costumes are terrible i think like they're all like marbled and like they look like bowling balls like they're wearing bowling balls (laughs) you know i didn't think about that but it is very true yeah just yeah like a 70s bowling alley So I, I mean, with the cast that they're pulling, I'm I'm just I'm amazed. Between Elizabeth Banks and um, Robert Cranston, I'm yeah, surprised. Strange. Well, and then also was isn't the part that Elizabeth Banks is playing was originally an Asian actress, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, it, that that bothers me. Yeah, yeah, I can I can definitely. I was surprised. I was not only surprised at the name that they pulled, but that they went that direction. Yeah. I think that that's. I mean, she's great, but still. Yeah, exactly. No, I have the opportunity. Go ahead and hire an agent actress. Yeah, which is something that we we really got to start seeing a little bit more of. I and I don't know how many more times it has to be pointed out that now well you did it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, going back to Doctor Strange. That bothers me too. Yeah, yeah. And I don't buy Cargill's excuse. Did you did you listen to him on Double Toasted? I I He's did. One of the writers. What what was the excuse he gave? Basically, that you could you you know it's for a Chinese audience, mm-hmm. and that there's so many different like you couldn't just plug one kind of Asian in. And say they represent all Asians, but it's like uh, if you do that, well, then why a white lady? Mm. Yeah, that's that's kind of a flimsy direction. I would agree. Yeah. All right. Well, and then the last one. I think we saved the best for last. Uh, oh yeah. Are you looking forward to Rogue One? Yeah. Yeah. Very much. What did you and think I, of the new trailer? That was amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, they keep getting better. And I'm this one I'm only watching once. I know friends of mine that are like, I haven't watched any of them. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I allow myself to watch them once. Now, how did you feel about uh, Force Awakens? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. That one I'm super excited for. And, and the reason it worked was because of the new characters. Yeah. Like, definitely, like, Ray and Finn and Poe made the movie. Yeah, no, they did. I mean, and I'm looking forward to seeing more about them. Like, I think yeah. a lot of people came back to see Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and, and Mark Hamill and everything. But but really, that's that wasn't the draw right. at the end. I, I, yeah. I'm genuinely excited to see where those three characters are. And that's go. why, I think that's why they pushed back eight. Because, you know, that was supposed to be, there's just going to be a longer gap, right? Yeah, it's not going to be next December. It'll be the following May. Yeah. Because I heard the original script didn't have that much of Ray and Finn in it. Like, they didn't know how well the new characters were going to pay off. Oh. So they had to go back to the writing table and, and punch it up more. They, Which, they, that, that seems odd. Like, they were going to, like, introduce, like, the keep old people and then introduce more young people. And it's like, no, we want to see what happened to Ray and Finn. Yeah, Finn, no, I hadn't heard yeah. that, but that's that's really... that's. You know, it it makes you worry because it's like, well, did you not have confidence in the first film that those characters were going to take off? Because right, I, well, and then that's another thing with like the the side stories, like Rogue One, like that was also a little bit of hedging our bets mm-hmm. because you know the, remember they announced like a oh, standalone Boba Fett and then maybe a standalone Yoda. You know, like I think all of those were like, oh, just in case no one likes these new characters. We've got the old ones to go back to. Yeah, and I think what most people are excited about is just like we we've we've seen the stories of all these characters. We don't we don't need to continue on with right. them. So yeah. yeah. But yeah, Rogue One, great idea. Not not enough aliens or like people in costumes. Yeah, I can see I that. Hope. Like I, as soon as they announced it, I was like, "Oh, wouldn't that be awesome if Bosk, the bounty hunter, was like a main character?" Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has that flight suit on, so it's like, "Oh, it would be great if he like used to be with the rebellion." Then after they get their butt kicked, they had to turn to bounty hunting. That would have been awesome. Although I do like, and I, and I am a, a fan, but not one that will be able to tell you what it is. The the droid that's in this uh, trailer is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, no, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, sort of like a badass C-3PO. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to... I just, I like the new characters, I like the new stuff. It's it's just building on itself. Yeah. Yeah, that's why Rebels is great. You watch Rebels? I don't, and I really it's need great. to. Yeah, because it's like, a, it's a whole new... And that'll be, that'll be tricky, like, how are they going to weave that continuity into Rogue One? Because they'll have to cut off Rebels at some point. Right. Well, and I have, I've heard that, um, I mean, is it... Well, maybe you can say, can you watch Rebels without having seen Clone Wars? Yeah, I, I never watched Clone Wars. Okay. There's some stuff you'll miss, I think. Like, I think there's a whole, there's a lot more with Darth Maul and like how he didn't die. Mm-hmm. Like spider legs or something like that. <laughs> and then I think uh, Forrest Whitaker's character in Rogue One was originally in Clone Wars. Okay, so those as that's, an animated character. Gotcha. So that's characters that are going to be called back to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe I will have to. It's coming out in December. Uh, I might be able to push myself through <laughs> some of those. <laughs> but man, yeah, that new trailer. Yeah, and how it's like. Did you ever watch uh, Bloodline? That actor Ben Mendelsohn. No. So he's the the guy the they call him the architect. Uh huh. Man, he he's a great actor. That Bloodline show is amazing. But like seeing him on talk shows and he's saying like he was he's the biggest Star Wars fan ever. And just this, like it gave me chills to see that shot of him looking at Darth Vader. It's like can you imagine? Yeah. A huge Star Wars fan, you have a scene with Darth Vader. Ah, oh. oh, man. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the greatest things about the 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 geeky time that we are living in is that. The, the people who are um, 
making the films and starring in the films and involved in the films are such big fans that I think that's why you see the quality go up because people yeah. are paying a lot more tribute yeah. to what they love. Well, and that's why I kept going back to like the Gendy Tartakovsky 2D animated Clone Wars were amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I thought those are so much better than the prequels because they showed you the things they it filled in the gaps of the things you wanted to see, like a Jedi Knighting ceremony. The, the cave where the crystals where they make the lightsabers like stuff like that right like it filled in those gaps that filled in the lore instead of like unraveling it and making it more confusing like the prequels did yeah yeah i and i think that one of the biggest disappointments for me is that with the the new movies you could see what the prequels could have been yeah, and that's so it's so frustrating. Yeah. It's like this could have been such a, a different direction. It could have been such a different feel, and it would have felt so much more authentic. Yeah. Now it is interesting that Rogue One. I think they're re, like aren't they like reshuffling where almost like Rogue One is the first part of a new trilogy. The the second one will be Han Solo. Oh, is it? I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Which that that feels better than just a standalone young Han Solo. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're starting to kind of weave the characters into other stories, that's a different way to go. But I don't necessarily know that I just need to know about like I forget who was talking about um about the standalone Yoda movie. It may have yeah. been it may have been the Average Geek Show, and I know you you appeared on that show mm-hmm. a couple uh, weeks ago. But um, I think they were saying it's like, do we really need to know? where Yoda came from, or is it okay for us to just not know and let him be this kind of mysterious character? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to know everything. Yeah. Because there's so much... It would be different if it was, like, a very finite world, but they've they've shown that they can go in so many other directions that Mm -hmm. it's like, well, let us see all those other directions. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, and, and as far as the trailer itself goes, how, I was I was excited because I feel like it gave me a better idea of the tone of the movie and and what they were going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Although I do love the the one that someone edited with sabotage, the Beastie Boys song. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh man, that's the best. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. That yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, because that overlaps my two greatest loves right there. <laughs> And like I had so many people send that to me. I was like, you don't think I've already seen this? Come on. That's awesome. Insult me. Yeah. Very cool. Well that that's that's been the news this week. I think it's been it's been a good news week for yeah. for all the movies coming out in the latter part of the year and early twenty seventeen. So lots of stuff to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, excited. Alright, well we're gonna start talking about what we're here today to talk about, and that is your your graphic novel Hero Hotel. Yeah, Hero Hotel. So give us a, a little bit of an idea of what this is. I've, I've seen the, the images and, and I, I've got an idea of the story, but why don't you go ahead and introduce it to us? Yeah, so it's an all-ages graphic novel. Um, it's about Chet and his cat Boomer, and they work in a hotel that happens to be a hotel that is frequented by superheroes. And uh, I think the funny hook is that they, they don't like superheroes. Because like, when superheroes are on vacation, they're at their worst. Mm-hmm. So they trash their rooms, they pick up after themselves, they're lousy tippers, they don't lift their own bags, you know, the gigantic bags. So it's, uh, it's sort of like the, the flip side of working with superheroes. It's, uh, it's going to be really funny. It's a lot of gag driven, you know, because I originally thought of it as a cartoon so it's, it's, it's got that feel that old like 90s cartoon hour feel yeah you could definitely see that in the in the art style is there um you know what was the inspiration behind the the idea of setting it in a hotel uh well growing up i was for some reason i used to always tell my parents i wanted to be a hotel manager when i grew up and i think it was it had something to do with like the great muppet game and seeing like that whole hotel full of Muppets. You're like you're like my favorite person right now. I, I feel like <laughs> nobody remembers that movie, and it's probably yeah. the best Muppet movie ever. Yeah, it was awesome, right? 
Because it was it was the one that wasn't. I mean, it still had meta jokes, but it wasn't like about making a movie. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Felt like it's like it. Yeah, it had its own internal engine. Um, but yeah, and then even growing up, me and my sisters would like pretend our house was a hotel, and we'd like put numbers our like room numbers on on all the doors, and our, our stuffed animals were the guests, and we'd take them room service and check them in, check them out. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I always had that in the back of my mind, and then now the idea, like, cause even like, cause my other books, you know, I've done a book about pizza delivery drivers, and then Rocket Salvage is about like sort of garbage men and working on a space station. So I was like the idea of like focusing in on the 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 lesser, like the people who would just be extras in other movies. Okay, I was focusing on them. So Which is very cool because it gives you a different uh, perspective on on the worlds that these people live in. And yeah. just looking at the piece of art that that you guys sent over, um, it looks like you've you've just kind of twisted all different characters. That I, I can sit there and go, I bet that's based on this character. I bet that's based on that character. Oh yeah. yeah. Now was that? I'm I'm assuming that was done on purpose. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I wanted to appeal to. I, I, I hope it appeals to like people who just love superheroes and like read every single superhero comic, and then it'll also appeal to people who have no idea, like they don't read any superhero comic at all. Okay, both audiences can get a kick out of it. But uh, yeah, it's like interspersed throughout the book, I you know I have guest artists helping out, so I did a main storyline of four chapters. And then a bunch of my buddies I got to help out on doing guest backup stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of friends of mine I had to do movie posters for all the like fake superheroes in the hotel. So like the Superman like guy, his name is Noble Metal. So my friend Brian Turner did a whole pinup of like, oh here's what the Noble Metal movie would be look like, new movie poster would look like. That's so fun. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for people to see it. Now, do you have a a favorite of these offshoot uh, superheroes? Definitely Rocktober. He's, he's the guy that looks like the Thing, basically. He's, uh-huh. like, he's a pink the Thing uh, with a blue mullet. And uh, yeah, he's my favorite. He's the easiest to draw. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you have a, a very a very fun and a, as you said it's a, it does have a very animated feel to it. You have a very fun art style. Um, talk to me about where that came from. Um, oh, I've just always been a cartoon fan. Like growing up, drawing cartoons and comic strips, and you know, Far Side comics and Garfield comic books. Just yeah, I always was drawn to that style. Even like in art school. We would do life drawing. I would do the cartoonish version of the the life drawing figure, and uh, much to the consternation of my professors. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like it's just fun to draw, you know. And yeah. there's a thing in animation where they teach you about um, pencil mileage. Mm-hmm. So pencil mileage is like, oh, how long will it take you to redraw that character over and over? So if you notice, like, in some cartoons, like, if you notice in some Bugs Bunny cartoons, like, sometimes he's got three whiskers, sometimes he's got two. It's because the ones with two were cheaper. They had to get it done faster. Oh. Because, like, every every time, like, adding that extra whisker just piled on that much more time in an hour. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So I always keep that in mind when I'm designing characters. Like, how little detail can I get? away with but still have it look unique from another character well and it's it's kind of cool because it does it does mean that all of those details are choices which i think sometimes uh especially in the 90s era of comic books you could see that sometimes the editing didn't happen yeah <laughs> oh, more yeah. pouches more blades yeah. more things stuck on on belts <laughs> just to show their hands right Oh, exactly. Oh, a friend of mine. A friend of mine sent me a picture of a Rob Liefeld Shatterstar, um, and the caption that I guess it was on a Reddit post, and the caption was "Really, Rob? 
really. <laughs> he's basically a box. <laughs> That's why I, I used to be terrible at drawing hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in high school, I'm just like I would have that anxiety. Like I would always like have characters have their hands in pockets or behind their backs. And, you know. and then in college, I really made a concerted effort to like, all right, just draw hands for like a whole week. Just like, just try drawing hands. Yeah, it's a good exercise. <laughs> Well, and speaking of which, um, what are some of the things you would recommend to people who are are interested in getting into animation, interested in to getting into um, comic book art and that kind of thing? Definitely keep a sketchbook and fill it up. Like get a whole sketchbook and just fill it up with doodles. Like every week, week after week, start a whole new sketchbook. I think that that's like getting your muscle memory. And getting your hand used to just churning out drawing after drawing. Now, even they don't have to be perfect, they can be loose, they can be ugly, whatever. It's just like getting your hand and your arm and your what you're looking at to be able to translate what's on the page. But just doing that over and over, just logging in those man hours. That's what I would recommend. And my niece has started that. I'm really proud of her. She's basically, she has a sketchbook that she's like, basically, she's doing a lesson where like, oh, she'll go alph- alphabetically. Like, okay, today I need to draw something that starts with an A. But it has to be from life drawing. Like, it has to be something she sees in the room or outside. And, uh, yeah, really proud of her. That's a really, that's a really cool strategy. It's a good way yeah. to uh, kind of look at it and, and give it a, a direction. Mm-hmm. That's really neat. Yeah, because it's the little details. Like, you can tell, like, some people have, like, never seen a rooftop. Like, they'll just draw that, you know, that same kind of roof you see in, you know, they're referencing other just drawings of a roof mm-hmm. instead of, like, drawing what a roof looks like. Like, you see that a lot. Like, a lot of cartoons sometimes get into that habit of, like, oh, this is a, a Burbank style neighborhood I've seen in a cartoon. So that's what I'll draw. Yeah. Yeah. So it loses, it, it loses feels like it's a copy of a copy. Yeah, it loses authenticity every time you you take that one more step away from from what the original art was. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I know I'm an I'm an English tre- teacher, and uh, often I will have the kids, you know come and, and complain that they don't know what to write about if I give them a free ride or something to do. I, ha- I will have to use that kind of, well, just describe something that, that begins with an A that's in your immediate area. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as far as um, people who are looking to get into the industry of, of animation or, or comic book, um, you know, just comic books in general, uh, any, any yeah. advice on, on the the business side of things because I know that that's that's sometimes the most confusing thing to navigate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still confusing to me. <laughs> but uh, I would definitely recommend. I always tell people like do a webcomic first or something, or 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 self-publish your first one because mm-hmm. no publisher is going to take you seriously until they see you can like actually execute a project. Mm-hmm. Like you can, conception to final execution, you need to prove to them that you're going to meet that deadline. Because you know editors are just like they're so underpaid and overworked. They get like five seconds a day to look at stuff. That you need to be solving their problem. So you need to show them like oh you you know you're not going to have to be harassed to like nor nudged to get your papers is done on time. Like you're going to be the guy that like overproduces, basically. That's a really good point because I think we often think about well, what can publishers do for for us, or mm-hmm. what can you know agents or wh- whoever you're going after, employers in general. When often you know you're you're the one filling the need. So right. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, and then you don't get into that space where you have that ego of like, oh, they don't like my stuff. I'm the best. You know, mm-hmm. you get a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. But yeah, just just make stuff, basically. And you know, if you don't have the money to self-publish, do it as a webcomic. 
because you need something to point to that you can you can create a whole project on your own. Well, we definitely have become a, a society that uh, values uh, proof of proof of concept, like yeah, it, it, with, with podcasting, with with a lot of art fields, with anything on on YouTube, you kind of have to put out a good product for a, an established amount of time before people will start going, okay, sure, I'll, I'll contribute to your Patreon or sure, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, make a donation through, through PayPal. We've, we've gone away from a model where it's kind of like pay me up front and I will produce the, the content. And it's, right. it's an interesting direction. I'm not sure that it's going to work all the time or it works right. for everybody, yeah. but it is definitely a mindset to kind of, Keep keep there in the foreground to to realize that that's kind of where people expect to get their content. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see like in ten years, because yeah, no one wants to pay for content anymore. Mm-hmm. So what the model will be later, but yeah, just being ready for it. Well, it's an all, always a changing. I mean, we we spoke a little bit earlier about the change in in technology, but as that technology changes, the expectations and the way it's delivered and is. You know, it's a very it's a very cool time to be in in create in a creative field, but it's also a very scary and and nebulous time because there's really no right way to do something, and all it's going to take is the next person to find a different route to success, and then that's going to be the next way to do it. Yeah, same times. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, any anything else we should know about Hero Hotel? When's it when's it coming out? How do people get it? Yeah, it comes out November twenty first. Uh, if you go to HeroHotelComics.com, you'll be able to pre-order there. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, Fanbase Press, they're usually good about hitting all the local conventions. It won't be nationwide and bookstores yet, but definitely online and Amazon will be the best place to grab it. And we'll definitely uh, attach links to the... Uh to the website and all that so that people cool. can find it. So that'll be, that'll be good. Yeah. Very cool. Well, awesome. Well, I think we're going to start closing up. Uh, any shout outs you have, uh, today? Shout out to, yeah. Do you know Devastator Press? Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Golden and Amanda. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has a new book. It's a spoof on, uh, like what if Walt Disney's drunk cousin had his failed amusement park. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that comes out today. Owls called. I'll send you a link. Yeah, we'll throw it in there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, what's it called? So Disney. Oh, dream it, screw it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really funny. But uh, yeah, Jeffrey and Amanda are contributors to Hero Hotel also. So I can't wait for people to see their little mini stories. I'm I'm excited to see it. I, I, it sounds like such a fun concept, and it sounds like, as you said, something that's going to be accessible to a lot of different people from a lot of different directions. So. Yeah. yeah. Very neat. I'd like to do a quick shout out to to Kelly Hightower and Ray Vargas. Um, they they gave me four hours last weekend, and we just marathoned podcasting. Wow. Got two episodes out, and it was uh, you know I think some of the best stuff that we've put out so far. So. Uh, a thank you to both of of you guys for for being patient and uh, and coming and playing with us for the weekend. So yeah, I'm excited about that state of the geek. Yeah, definitely. Check right on my alley. Yeah, well, it's it's the right time for it. I think there's, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that that we can talk about, and uh, I don't know. I get as I've said on uh, previous shows, I get these little bouts of activism, and this is kind of my nope. You're not gonna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna shut me up. I've got things to say. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Uh, coming up next week, we're going to be talking to Annie McVeigh, the director and star of sci-fi feature film Alistair 1918. So that's going to be a lot of fun for, for sci-fi fans out there. Okay. And do you have any appearances, anything else coming up? Oh, uh, Kamikaze slash L.A. Comic Con next week. Oh, very cool. That's two cool. weeks. Yeah, that's uh, Hall- Halloween weekend, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So I'll be there. I don't know my booth number yet, but... Uh, well, we'll definitely have to have people go out and check that out. That'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah, I've been off the circuit for a while, cranking out book after book. So, <laughs> so now it's time to go out and start. <laughs> That's <promoting>. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a different kind of mountain. Yeah. The the never ending cycle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Uh, Hootie, where can we find you? Uh, the best thing to follow me on is Instagram, and that's at SuperMercadoComics on Instagram. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, yeah, and, um, thank you. Really, really looking forward to, to Hero Hotel coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone go by. For all of you listening out there, remember this week, keep it deep. Keep it deep.